Hello everyone and welcome to World of Daniel podcast. In today's episode we're going to discuss the latest news uh, from the month of January which I read just the title and as you know I'm going to read the news live live now and then I'm going to have my take on it. And I choose some of it which I thought are the most interesting about our universe and also some of them Uh, regarding our solar system and also our planet. So let's get straight into it. Don't not waste any more time because it might be a little bit on the longer side this episode. So first news which I choose is twin black holes caught caught chewing down on the leftovers of a galaxy merger. So binary black holes may be more common than astronomers realize according to new research. Okay, two black holes have been found munching matter side to side at the heart of two merging galaxies, suggesting that binary black holes may be more common than scientists thought. Researchers report the finding in January and uh, at the 241 meeting at at the American Astronomical Society in Seattle, they found the destructive duo in UG4211, a galaxy 500 million light years away, so that's far away from us, the constellation Cancer, which is the result of two separate galaxy merging. UGC4211 is the last uh, in the last stage of uh, this merger. One day, uh, of uh, our own Milky Way galaxy will undergo a similar collision with the nearby Andromeda galaxy. Yes, we discussed this, so it's on the path of uh, of colliding. Our study has identified one of the closest pair of black holes in a galaxy merger and because we know that galaxy mergers are much more common in the distant universe these black holes uh, binaries to be much more common than previously thought okay so what they are trying to say is they look at the sky and they seen you know where most likely a couple of billions of years ago, two galaxy collides, and now they notice the two black holes of the center. So I'm guessing what they are trying to say is that they are a lot more common than they thought. But what what this means? What I'm interested in this is like, if we notice now, yes, two black holes, yeah, let's say orbiting each other, yes, that means maybe we can have two black holes, or is just they gonna collide with each other and form a bigger one. So the, it's it's interesting fact, but um, I would really like to see, you know, maybe we can catch out there in the sky, like when two black holes like really collide in real time in our lifetime that would be really interesting to see what kind of uh, event it's unfolding you know in the sky because as you know they saw two black holes colliding like in the radiation so-called gravitational waves actually uh, in the radiation light I'm just gonna say light because it's all radiation it's light and light is radiation so we've seen this but um, it was too far away i would really like to see like that powerful you know like the in the middle there the not just the explosion 
like the materials which are forming there because in my opinion i recently come to believe that in even in our galaxy i think the black holes are hiding some interesting materials because keep in mind there are some really uh, a lot of crashing forces there so i think um, uh, we can see new materials forming there but this is just my take on this you know this is just my opinion so i'm i'm interesting to see if we're gonna find closer to us to, so we can really see like the radiation with the telescope not just detect the radiation you know like gravitational waves so-called gravitational waves so interesting stuff so far now next news scientists reveal invisible they say invisible uh, galaxy from the early universe using space-time strict predicted by Einstein okay so using the ALMA telescope in Chile and Einstein theory of relativity, scientists observe a young galaxy in the early universe that it's invisible in nearly every wavelength. Okay, so researchers have finally revealed the details of an extremely distant and dark galaxy that have been nearly impossible to see until now. The young star-forming galaxy is filled with dust and gas and formed 2 billion years after the Big Bang. Hmm. Okay, the researchers report an era uh, more than... 11 billion years ago when the universe was uh, about one-sixth its current size this is what we think but i think we might be wrong dim distance and chalk with dust the object is nearly invisible in every wavelength of light however a trick of gravity initially predicted by mirrors he gave a research a rare look at the invisible galaxy so the very distant galaxy are real minds of information about the past and the future evolution of our universe okay however study them is very challenging yes because they are very far they are very compact and therefore difficult to observe also because of distance we receive very weak light from them uh, the team took advantage of Einstein theory of generality to observe it. So the theory says that massive objects like galaxies or sometimes individual stars distort the space around them. So any light passing uh, by gets magnified. This means that researchers can use massive objects as a cosmic magnifying glass to view other more distant objects, but only when they line up just right. Okay, okay, I know what they are saying. The effect known as gravitational lasing has helped. Uh, with uh, some of the earliest galaxies in the universe i know what they're saying okay so um this galaxy which are you know really let's say not just old but you know um hidden with dust and everything they say they use the lensing what does this mean um how to say this i'm pretty sure some of you have seen this happen because this happens in real life so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you now what is actually this lensing because it's not gravity it's just it's just radiation just hear me out and then you're gonna maybe give me uh, you know you're gonna say i'm a little bit right so uh what is this um uh, event so listen carefully you know when you drive at summer in a lot of heat yeah on uh, let's say on a straight road on tarmac yeah or even let's say if you are in a lot of heat somewhere on a flat flat surface and you look in a distance and you have that um, 
that fill you can see water. I'm pretty sure most of you know what I'm talking this from. Well, this is exactly gravitational lensing. So what it's uh, causing, you know, when you drive uh, on the on the heat, you know, it's just making how to say like it's it's acting like a lens. So you can see objects which are far away. You can notice through this uh, event. So this is what I, are, they are actually doing. So they are getting close, like our sun, let's say at the age of our sun, same happens because it's this ex extremely powerful radiation, what they say is bending light, but actually, you know, gravity is not gravity, but it's just radiation, yeah, because of rotation. And at the edge where it's so dense, you know, they can notice this effect and you can see, you know, at the edge, it's just a small point where you can see a little bit clearer. It's acting like a lens and you can see behind it. This is the effect, you know, and with this effect, they are, uh, they are studying, let's say the impossible, how they say, because they put some uh, points there, impossible galaxies to see. So this is the event. I'm pretty sure most of you have seen it when it's really hot. You know, when you see that thing in the f far distance, you think, oh, it's water. Actually, it's not water. But it's because of this uh, this phenomenon. So it's really interesting. People just find way to look much further and further in the universe. Especially, I think, later I choose one with James Webb, which is going to be really interesting. Now, let's go to the next news. New map of the universe matter reveals a possible hole in our understanding of the cosmos. Okay, so the cosmic web is a gigantic network of crisscrossing celestial superhighways that connect nearly everything in the universe, which is really interesting. Scientists have made one of the most precise map of the universe matter and it shows that something may be missing in our best model of the cosmos creating by pulling data from two telescopes that observe different types of light the new map revealed that the universe is less clumpy than previous model predicted a potential sign that the vast cosmic web that connect galaxies is less understood than scientists thought hmm, okay according to our current understanding the cosmos web is a gigantic network of crisscrossing celestial superhighways paved with hydrogen gas and dark matter it's no dark matter oh i don't know okay taking shape in the uh, chaotic aftermath of the big bang the web uh, tendril form uh, as clumps from the rolling broth of the young universe where multiple stars of the web intersected galaxy eventually form but the new map published uh, a three separate study okay shows that the many parts of the universe shows that in many parts of the universe matter is less clumped together and more evenly spread out than theory predicted should be okay okay according to the standard model of the cosmology the universe began taking shape after the big bang 
when the young cosmos swarm with particles of both matter and antimatter, which pop into existence only to annihilate each other after upon contact. Most of the universe building blocks wipe themselves out this way, but the rapidly expanding fabric of space-time along with some quantum fluctuation means that some pockets of the primordial plasma survive here and there. The force of gravity, okay, soon compress this plasma pocket in on themselves, hitting that matter as it was squeezed to, uh, closer together to such an extent that uh, sound waves traveling at half of the speed of light, called baryon acoustic oscillation, ripped outwards from the plasma clumps. Those, uh, these ripples push away the matter that hadn't already been drawn into the center of the clump when it's, uh, where it come to rest as a hollow around it. At this point, most of the universe matter were distributed as a series of thin films surrounding countless cosmic voids, like a nest of soap bubbles in a sink. Okay, once this matter, prim primarily hydrogen and helium, had sufficiently cooled, it glowed further to birth the first stars, which in turn forge heavier and heavier elements through nuclear fusion. To map out this, the cosmic, cosmic web was uh, the research combined observation taken with the dark energy survey in Chile, which scanned the sky in the near ultraviolet visible in near infrared frequency from 2013 to 2019. Today, look at different wavelengths of life. Both telescopes use the technical gravitational lasing to map the clumping of matter. Gravitational lasing occurs when a massive object sits between our telescope and its source. The more that light comes from a given pocket, okay, the more matter there is in that space. Mm, I don't know. This makes gravitational lasing as an excellent tool for tracking both normal matter uh, and this mysterious causing dark matter, which despite making out 85 of the universe doesn't interact with light except by distorting it with gravity. Oh, I don't think this is right. Okay. So two possibilities ex exist to explain this discrepancy. The first is that we are simply looking at the universe too imprecisely. Yes. And that the apparent deviation from the model will disappear as we get better tools to peer the cosmos with. The second and more significant possibly is that our cosmological model is missing some seriously big physics. Yes, it did. It did. It does missing. Finding out which one is true will take more cross arrays and mapping. Okay. So what they are trying to say? They are trying to say that the universe is not um, <clears throat> how to how to put it right. It's not. Mm, what is the word for this? Uh, it's not that even as they thought, you know. They thought the universe is even or is the same everywhere. Well, it's not the same everywhere because keep in mind, universe out, out there is very different in some places. In some places, uh, we need to understand there are some um, bigger black holes, bigger s uh, stars which affect that part of the universe. And it's some of it, it's uh, the universe is a little bit quiet, you know, it's like it's not producing so much stars, it's not so much, uh, let's say, uh, activity in there. And I think, in my opinion, the gravitational lens, uh, lensing, which the effect I described earlier, you know, to look at something like a lens, yes, uh, I think uh, is not really, uh, how to say it, 
it's not truly trustful because keep in mind what I'm saying now. When you look at something far away and you use a distant object, a object, let's say you look you look next to a star or you look next to a black hole, like I said before, those things emit radiation. And even black hole recently they found out this and is a lot more than just that emit um, radiation, which is basically light in different wavelength. Okay, um, emits radiation. That radiation, even if this effect occurs, like you, I told you about, and you might know what I'm talking about, but still, uh, it's not to be trustful, because keep in mind that radiation can be more powerful at one second, less powerful the next uh, second, and this can uh, affect, you know, this so-called phenomenon, the gravitational lensing. So I would not look at the universe only through gravitational lensing. I will just go out there, put a bigger telescope and try to observe straight the photons which come straight from the, you know, from the stars, not or the straight from their galaxy, not next to a, to a bigger object. Because the radiation, like I said, uh, in my opinion, especially when it's getting closer to a star, in my opinion, the speed is affected and not just that. But hey, who am I to say? I'm just saying my ideas, you know, and I'm reading what uh, these discoveries are about. I'm not saying what they are doing is wrong. I'm just saying it might be not the best solution because it might be some interference. So I think we should look, like I said, straight without interference, without trying gravitational lasing because it might not show us the truth. But uh, we'll see in time, you know, like I said, every discovery is a step forward. So we'll see in time how this goes forward. Let's move on to the next news. <clears throat> the universe is slightly hotter than it should be. Dark photons could be to blame. I don't know why people like every time when they don't know what is happening there to put like dark before dark matter dark photons they only use this like oh it's it's not showing it's always dark you know hmm. okay so intergalactic gas clouds are slightly hotter than they should be new research claim and theoretical particles called dark photons could explain it oh man again they we are starting to invent new kind of particles and new kind of things just to explain something we don't understand because we think that's the right way maybe it's not just that let's see what he's saying maybe we can find an answer so observations suggest that the intergalactic gas in our universe is a little hotter than it should be recently a team of astrophysicists had used sophisticated computer simulation to propose a radical solution an exotic form of dark matter known as dark photons could be heating up could be heating the place up. Okay, these strange particles would be the carriers of a new fifth force of natives that normal that did not experience. But occasionally, these dark photons can flip their identities to become regular photon, providing the source of heat. <laughs> we could find such dark photons, but by observing the intergalactic gas using what is known as the Lyman Alpha Forest. When we observe light from a distance, bright objects like a quasar, 
growing objects powered by black holes at the center of distant galaxy. There, that's a quasar. There is a series of gaps in an otherwise smooth spectrum of light from that far away object. Here is why. The light has to filter to billions of light years of gas to reach us. Yes, occasionally that light will pass through a relatively dense clump of neutral hydrogen, a type of hydrogen that consists of one proton and one neutron, and which permeates gas clouds through the universe. Most of that light will pass through unaffected, but a very specific wavelength of light will get absorbed. This wavelength corresponds to the energy difference needed to bump an electron from its first to second energy level inside the hydrogen atom. When astronomers look at the light coming from that object, it will look otherwise unremarkable except for a gap of the wavelength at that specific energy transition, known as the Lyman-Alpha line. Interesting. The light from the distant object will pass through multiple clouds and clumps of neutral, neutral, neutral hydrogen. The expansion of the universe caused the gaps to redshift to different wavelengths, with a new gap appearing at a different wavelength, depending on the distance to the particular gas clouds. Ooh. The end result of this is the forest, they say forest like natural forest, a series of lining gaps in the spectrum. So getting hot in there, okay. These Lyman alpha gaps can be used to measure the temperature of each gas cloud. If the neutral hydrogen were perfectly still, the gap would appear as incredible thin line. But if the indivi individual molecules are moving, then the gap will widen because of the kinetic energy of those molecules. The hotter the gas, the more kinetic energy the molecules have and the wider the gaps. Is in okay. A team of astrophysicists has pointed out that by using this method, it seems that the cloud of gas that scatter between galaxies are a little too hot. Computer simulation of the evolution of those gas uh, uh, clouds predicts them to be just a little bit colder than we observe, and so per perhaps something is heating up those clouds, or is isn't currently accounted for in our astrophysical <laughs> simulation. So one possible explanation for this discrepancy is the presence of so-called dark photons in our universe. This, okay, this is a very hypothetical form of dark matter, the mysterious invisible substance that accounts for roughly 80% of all the mass in the universe, yet doesn't seem to interact with light. Uh, the familiar photon is the force carried of electromagnetics. It is what creates electricity, magnetics, and light. Yes, dark photons could be a force of carrier of new force of nature that could not operate as usual scales in the usual scenario. For example, in our laboratory, we observe. Okay. Okay, so the dark photons would still have a tiny bit of mass, and hence they could still account for the dark matter. Wow. Okay. Okay, so uh, let's let's discuss a little bit. So because they found a little bit of discrepancy, now they invent a new term, dark photons. <laughs> uh, okay, 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 okay. Okay, so they seem like you know between galaxies, and I'm pretty sure between our sun and the next solar system, there are a lot of uh, 
is just hydrogen you know in in gas form and they say this kind of hydrogen they observe because the light is going through and like i said that you know that uh, phenomenon and they can see if the hydrogen is moving like it's it's simply like the um, if it's getting hotter you know as soon as something gets hotter the atoms start moving faster you know this is what uh, they try to say as you know uh, if an atom gets hotter it starts to spin and more chaotic and more over the place you know so what they're trying to say they can't explain this because by their computer simulation it should be colder but actually it's warmer well i want to point out to them out there uh, we have billions and billions of billions of, of stars and uh, not just stars black holes all of me emit radiation yeah so instead of thinking like all this uh, light emitted by stars you know by distant stars like our sun emits a lot of light and we get our light that light is hitting our planet yes and it's getting us um, you know warming keeping us safe most of the time we will get to that in a moment now they are trying to find a different explanation for why that gas is it's too hot than they think it should be i'm just saying there it's all this light going through that gas why is not simply getting hit it up by the photons you know just photon of lights regular photons doesn't have to be a dark photon dark matter it's just regular light yes is the radiation out there simply radiation is interacting because keep in mind if i'm pointing my my uh, my uh, light at the wall the light is not going to go through it yeah but it's going to interact with the wall simply the radiation the light from all the stars and all, all the all all the celestial objects which are out there are just getting the universe warmer why should we invent something different um maybe this is my understanding maybe my understanding is wrong and maybe i don't get something but in my opinion regular light like our sun emits yeah all this radiation of course it can interact keep in mind if we had a um let's say a gas cloud uh, like uh, where is mars yeah of course it's gonna interact the sun is gonna interact with it and it's gonna get hotter no so if the let's say the um, the gas clouds it's out there i don't know like at the edge of our galaxy but when you take in consideration all this radiation of, of all the stars from our galaxy which emits yeah all those stars if you combine the light the radiation from all those of course it can hit the gas which is between the galaxy but this is just my opinion you know if they want to invent a new term like dark photons well we'll see what's about that but i think they are just they are just rushing to invent new terms and instead of finding like real explanation this is what i'm trying to do i'm just trying to find real explanation of observation of course i might be wrong but this is my take on this please keep that in mind okay let's move on to the next one because we still have a couple more to cover and as i said this might be a longer episode and if you are still with me i hope you enjoy my crazy ideas or uh, how wrong am i it's just up to you 
Okay, the James Webb Telescope detected the coldest ice in the known universe and it's contained the building block of life. Oh, yes. Soon we're going to find out aliens are out there. Okay, let's read the news. The James Webb Telescope uh, latest observation of icy molecules will help scientists understand how habitable planets form. <clears throat> so scientists have, or have observed and measured the coldest ice in the deepest reach of an interstellar molecular cloud to date. The frozen molecules measure minus 440 degrees Fahrenheit minus 263 degrees celsius okay Ooh. molecular clouds made up of frozen molecules gas and dust particles serve at the birthplace of stars and planets including habitable planets like ours in this latest research a team of scientists used the um, james webb infrared camera to investigate molecular clouds called chameleon one about 500 light years away from earth far away within the dark uh, cold cloud the team identified frozen molecules like carbonyl sulfur ammonia methane methanol and more this molecule will someday be part of the hot core of the of a growing star and possibly part of the future exoplanet according to the research they also hold the building block of habitable world oh carbon oxygen hydrogen nitrogen and sulfur a molecular cocktail known as cochons Cochnus, Cochnus, carbon, oxygen, hydrogen, nitrogen, and sulfur. Cochnus, okay, couldn't find a better thing. <clears throat> a dusty nursery. Stars and planets form within molecular clouds like Chameleon 1. Over millions of years, the gases, ices, and dust collapse into more massive structures. Some of these structures heat up to become the core of young stars. As the star grows, uh, they sweep up more and more material and get hotter and hotter. Once a star forms, the leftover gas and dust around it form a disk. Once more, this matter starts to collide, sticking together and eventually forming larger bodies. One day, these clumsy, these clumps may become planets, even habitable one like ours. This observation opens a new window of the formation pathway for the simple and complex molecules that are needed to make the building blocks of life. Okay, the, the team also found, interesting, more complex molecules they can't specifically identify, but this, the findings prove that complex molecules do form in molecular clouds before they, you, they are used up by growing stars. Ooh. Although the team was still within the cold molecular soap, they didn't find as high concentration of the molecules that they were expecting in these clouds like Chameleon ones. How a habitable world like ours got its icy uh, molecules is still a major question among astronomers. One theory is that uh, these molecules were delivered to Earth via collision with icy comets and asteroids. Hmm, okay, okay. So they just look out there and they saw in a cold area all these molecules which is really interesting if you find carbon oxygen out there not just hydrogen uh, but the question is how he, how does this got there because uh, as far as i know and from my experience with chemics uh, hydrogen is the basic element and from hydrogen you form all others so that means something had to collide to get all this 
how is this out there? Or was another uh, star out there and then it's just exploded and it's just this, this, uh, how to say, um, uh, this is just remnants of a star, of older stars or older stars exploding. Because uh, how could it this form? Because keep in mind, hydrogen, we are trying to build fusion uh, reactors on our planet and it has to be hit up at over 200 million degrees just to fuse together. And like I said, my basic knowledge of chemistry, uh, to produce helium, you need two atoms of hydrogen, and then you need more atom of hydrogen to produce carbons and oxygen and more and more. So hydrogen is the basic one. So I'm guessing what they are trying to say in this is like from there, a new solar system can form and already have the building blocks of life because they think on our planet, life was brought to asteroids and comets, you know. But uh, what I think, in my opinion, maybe this is just the leftover after a star was dead, you know. And it's cold because, and now we get to the previous, um, <clears throat> um, to the previous uh, uh, material when we discuss how gas can get warmer because this being heavier most definitely heavier yes than hydrogen this can get uh, radiation is gonna take longer to heat up hydrogen is getting heating up easier because it's it's not that heavy but oxygen carbon and more these molecules of course they are colder because it's harder to get uh, how to say uh, excited yeah to get them warmer to move out you know to move around so this kind of makes sense with what we learned from the previous article, yes, when I said all this light, all this radiation, which is out there in our universe, which is actually the dark matter out there. <clears throat> I just dropped this. Um, it's just gonna, you know, simply, it's harder for that radiation to heat up heavier element, but it's easier to heat up hydrogen, yeah, uh, gas, uh, clouds of hydrogen gas so this makes sense to me i don't know if this makes sense to you if you are still following me you know what on what i'm saying but this definitely makes sense with me so it's interesting you know how you find like um, how you saying uh, different uh, different information out there and then you may you can combine at least in my mind there is a link between you know but hey this is just me Maybe I'm just crazy. Okay, next news. Radio signal from 8 billion light years away could reveal the uni the secrets of the universe dark age. Man, they like they, their dark world every time. Astronomers detected a radio signal, still light, okay, from deeper in space that even before using a cosmo cosmic trick first predicted by Einstein. Don't tell me it's that gravitational lasing again. By using warp space-time as a magnifying glass, yes, it is the same effect, man, the same effect. Uh, astronomers have picked up a most distant uh, signal of its kind of from a remote galaxy, and it could uh, blow open a window into how the universe formed. The record 
breaking radio frequency signal picked up by the giant metrowave radio telescope GMRT in India came from the galaxy. Hold your pants. SDSSJ0826 plus 5630. Holy moly. Located 8.8 billion light years away from Earth, meaning the signal was emitted when the universe was roughly a third of its current age. Ooh. The signal is uh, an emission from emission line from the universe's most, most primordial element, neutral hydrogen. Neutral, neutral hydrogen. In the aftermath of the Big Bang, this element existed through the cosmos as a turbulent, turbulent fog from which the first stars and galaxies eventually formed. Astronomers have long searched for distant signal from neutral hydrogen in the hope of finding the moment the first stars began to shine. However, given the extraordinary distances involved, those signals have been proven difficult to spot. Okay. Forge roughly 400,000 years after the beginning of the universe, when the protons and electrons first bonded to neutrons, neutral hydrogen populated the dim early cosmos through its so-called dark age, an epoch before the first stars and galaxy come into existence. When stars do eventually form, they blast out fierce ultraviolet light that strips the electrons from much of the hydrogen ion. Uh, atoms in the space surrounding them, thus ionizing the atoms so they are no longer neutral. Eventually, young stars lose their ultraviolet intensity and some of the ionized atoms recombine into neutral hydrogen. Detecting and studying neutral hydrogen can provide an insight into the lives of the earliest stars, as well as the star, the time before star existed. Ooh. So, to, uh, in this, uh, in his theory of general relativity, Albert Einstein explained that, the gra that gravity isn't produced by an unseen force, but rather is our experience of space-time cur curving and disturbing in the presence of matter energy. Gravitational lens on core when a massive object sits between our telescope and its source. In this case, the space was the gigantic star-forming galaxy, okay, which uses powerful warping effect to, a, to act as a lens that steer a faint and distant neutral hydrogen signal in into focus for GMRT. Okay. So this effect effectively results in the magnification of the signal by a factor of 30, allowing the telescope to pick it up. Now that the research researchers have found a way of probing previously unreachable hydrogen clouds, they want to use it to improve the charting of the universe through its various cosmological agents, hopefully pinpoint the moment the first stars begin to shine. Okay, so what is this about? <clears throat> so they just discover it's when 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 they say radio signal they just mean radiation. There's simply radiation from early stages of the hydrogen through so-called gravitational lasing effect, which, like I said, maybe we should not get, you know, should not trust it that much, but hey, this is just my, my take on it. 
what I can say, they are really trying to see, most likely, how the first time, first stars, you know, come to form. This is what are, they are trying to see. I think they are trying just to find out the, you know, what was out there, what was the thing which started the first star to shine out there, you know, to form, and then more and more stars. But um, I don't know. We'll we'll see because this is a lot of work. I'm I'm just you know being a little bit critical here in some of the points I just said. But some people you know put their life you know life work in this and there's a lot of work to get all this uh, all this data you know so uh, what can i say good for them but it's i think we are just in the beginning is a lot out there we just don't understand and this is just one of it so let's move on to the next news okay Let's go on this one. Physicists want to use gravitational waves to see the beginning of time, so-called C. Let's see. So gravitational waves are rippled in the fabric of space. Waves that originate in the early universe could carry important information about the phenomenon that occurred there. Okay. So the gravitational waves could help reveal the secrets of the dawn of time, the moment after the Big Bang, new research suggests. And physicists say they can learn more about these uh, primeval gravitational waves using nuclear fusion reactors here on Earth. Well, I said that, I said that on using the sun, but hey. In a new study, physicists use equations that govern how electromagnetic waves move through plasma inside fusion reactors to create a theoretical model of for how gravitational waves and matter interact. Ooh. That in turn could reveal a better picture of the earlier moment in time. Moment after the Big Bang, the universe was uh, permeated by a soup of hot, ultra-dense primordial plasma that sent powerful gravitational waves rippling out in the cosmos. These ancient gravitational waves uh, would have propagate through the universe and should still be present today. So the mutual influence that matter and gravitational waves had on uh, each other in the universe infancy would leave observable tracks in both. Working backwards from those observable tracks could uh, reveal a better picture of that early period. Okay. A matter of great gravity, ha ha ha. According to Einstein's theory of general relativity, mass massive bodies interact gravitationally by deforming space around them, generating ripples in space-time called gravitational waves. That's not gravitational waves. That's just that's just radiation waves. The travel at the speed of light. Until now, physicists have used detectors such as the laser infer inferometer, gravitational wave observatory, LIGO, yes, the LIGO one, to hunt gravitational waves, both born in the collision of black holes. Yes, I think we discussed this when they noticed this. Uh, 
these cosmic cataclysms generate the most powerful gravitational waves and they travel from the collision region to Earth in a vacuum, meaning that to describe them, physicists need only modeling the phys physics of those ripples in empty space. Empty space, wow! However, when the universe was in infancy, huge amounts of matter move around, generating gravitational waves that had to propagate through a primordial plasma, which have interacted with the waves, altering their shape and trajectory. To calculate this, okay, analyze the equation of Einstein theory relative, describe how geometry of space changes as matter moves through it. Under certain simplified Okay, they could calculate how gravitational waves and matter affect each other. Okay, we basically put plasma wave machinery to work as a gravitational wave problem. Okay, so what they are trying to actually do, trying to see, uh, they are trying to form gravitational waves in fusion reactor and actually to try to match those with the ones that in the early universe this is what i am i am understanding from this uh, article so the physicists think the so-called gravitational waves interact with the matter so they try to recreate this in a lab ah. I think it's a waste of time, in my opinion, but hey, who am I, if they want to, I think they are just hunting for, to. this is the question, how the universe form, but I think it might be just a waste of time, because the universe didn't form, I think, how most of the people believe out that, but we'll see about that, there's nothing really to comment about this article, just, um, I think they just want to be to build bigger, uh, how to say, bigger machinery to try to recreate something in the early universe with basically no point in my opinion. The thing which we should focus, we should focus on getting that fusion reaction up, up and going so we can not just travel and get, you know, free energy for everyone, but we can maybe go out there and travel a little bit like i said i have an opinion or maybe a solution of how we can travel faster than light but that's still on work i still have to put that down okay let's let's get closer let's get closer to to our galaxy because already we are uh, very long in the episode and we still have few to cover so let's go closer and discuss things which happens in our galaxy and also which happens on our planet, if you are still with me, if I didn't bore you to so-called death. So let's move on. Astronomers waited the Milky Way and found huge amount of matter missing. <laughs> A mysterious fast burst helped astronomers wait our galaxy and revealed them some matter is missing. Okay, um, for over a decade now, so-called fast burst FRB have been puzzling uh, scientists. The, these ultra-short-lived uh, bright flashes of radio wave across the sky happen all day, but no one yet knows what caused them. Okay, uh, 
uh, although FRBR is still a mystery, new observation of this strange phenomenon may actually help astronomers learn more about our own galactic neighborhood. In a new research, okay, a team of astronomers from Caltech reported measuring, measuring our mil Milky Way mass using a FRB and it turned out our galaxy is lighter than expected. Wow! So they built uh, an observatory called Deep Synoptic Array, DCA, a collection of 110 radio antennas uh, nested in the Owens Valley of Central California, okay, to make more precise measure measurement of FRB. Their goal to pinpoint the location of the sky of each FRB they observe to help figure out where these flashes originate. At the same time, the array must survey a uh, large chunk of the sky to have any hope of spotting the extremely short burst. Surveying a large amount of sky means processing a lot of data. Okay, processing 24 gigabyte per second. Ooh! Okay. In the long run, uh, astronomers hope to build an even more. Uh, okay, the DCA is now world leading instrument. Okay, but w where is the thing about this FRB? The hidden matter is really spread out, making it hard for our telescope to see. Dark matter. Oh, they, again with dark matter. As the radio wave travel from distant galaxy to our antennas on Earth, certain frequency of the waves will be delayed, an indicator of how much stuff there is between the observer and the FRB. Data used, the, used from the DSA revealed that our Milky Way has far regular mass matter than astronomy expected. So wherever most of our universe is made out around 16% regular matter and 84 dark matter, blah, blah, blah. Milky Way is less than 10% regular matter and over 90% dark matter, the researcher found. Okay. So what they are trying to say is like uh, this radio waves, so-called, you know, this radiation, uh, it's coming from this distant galaxy and when it's passing our galaxy, they can uh, see exactly, you know, how to say, uh, different wavelengths. So the signal is delayed, some part of the signal is delayed. So by this, they can uh, like uh, figure out if it was delayed like a split second or a little bit more, they can figure out how, because it's the speed of light, why it was delayed. So it, he went through something denser than that, so they mean it could have been a cloud of gas, which is very interesting, you know, but um, different wavelength. Uh, my take on this is like, how do they know they only pass the matter in our galaxy only? What if, you know, this FRB comes from the galaxy, which is another dwarf galaxy between us and there or a galaxy we maybe don't really see or maybe a da or maybe let's say a belt of asteroids outside of our galaxy and the signal get delayed and then we understanding wrong like uh, we think our galaxy actually lighter but maybe it's it has something at the edge with which we cannot see because the light doesn't interact with it but hey, this is my take on it, and 
I, I'm happy to see all this research, you know, this research is, is really good for me because uh, this means I have something to think about, it's something for us to discover, you know, but uh, still, it's in, like I said, this, like they say in the, in the article, is the first year, so I think they still need to process a little bit more and be a little bit more careful, like I said, those FRB, those short bursts, you know, of radio waves if it pass you know let's say come like i said from a distant galaxy maybe it comes from a through a lot more mass you know until even hits our galaxy and we need maybe to take that in consideration as well you know but hey like i said i'm glad to see those studies are out there so let's move on to the next one massive volcano like uh, eruption might explain dead star mysterious slowdown Ooh, I, i've seen this a volcano like eruption on the surface of a dead neutron star could explain its sudden showdown and the slew of fast fast radio bursts that follow so the fast rotating husk of a dead star mysteriously slowed down and astronomers think it's because of anti-glitch so-called anti-glitch that caused a gigantic volcano-like explosion from its surface. Ooh, the dead star of magnetar classified as SGR1935 plus 2154 and located 30,000 light years from Earth. Wait, 30,000 light years from that 500 millions. This is not far, is it? No, it's not that far. 45,000 light years from Earth suddenly decelerated in October 2020 before releasing a month long barrage of radio waves. Now, a new study, okay, has revealed the likely cause of massive eruptions from the star corpse surface. Well, we have that on our sun, and we're gonna get that. Magnetars and their less magnet magnetized cousins, pulsars are special types of neutron stars which are ultra-dense rem remnants from the explosive deaths of stars compacted by intense gravitational forces to just a dozen miles wide while being as dense a, as an atom nucleus pulsars and magnetars have unusually strong magnetic fields that are often millions of trillions of times more powerful than Earth. As the burnout stars spin rapidly in space, making a complete rotation every few seconds, ooh, they sweep out a beam of intense electromagnetic radiation from their poles like giant lighthouses. The composition reveal of the the composition of their surface largely remain a mystery. I think it's not well I'm gonna get there. So People have speculated that neutron stars could have the equivalent of volca volcanoes on their surface. Okay, our findings suggest that could be the case, and on this occasion, the rupture was most likely at the near the star's magnetic pole. Yeah, interesting. Ast astrophysicists study magnetars through the intense radiation they emit in the form of X-ray radio waves from gamma rays, for instance. Okay. Uh, many spin-up glitches have been observed before, 
which caused the star to slow down rather than speed up. Is the third of this kind ever to be observed? Has so far defiled explanation, which is more the sudden showdown was followed by three fast radio bursts ultra blight flashes of radio energy that can just a few milliseconds and a month-long series of radio pulses. Upon arriving at Earth, the radio emission were picked up by China 500 meter okay, telescope and Mars marked the first time that any first radio bursts have been tracked to its source. To get a better handle on what could cause the stellar course to slow its spin, the researchers built a model that explained the anti-glitch origin of the enormous and sudden eruption of the star's surface. Interesting, the surface pa plasma from a region near the one of the star magnetic poles spewed outwards, forming a charged particle wind that interfered with the magnetic field and thus acted as a jolting brake against its rotation. Very interesting. A strong magnetic particle wind emanating from the star for a few hours could establish the connection from the drop in rotational period. Wow, this is very interesting because now I have an interesting crazy idea. Now listen to this. This is very interesting and it might take some time, but please hold with me because this is really, really interesting what I'm going to get to say now. And this could solve why I, I say gravity is not out there. So listen to this. So, what we know, they study this really uh, uh, magnetar, yes? And uh, as you know, magnetar is very, really dense. I think, what is it, Dauri? They might, we might find a new form of matter out there, you know, on the magnetars. Because keeping in mind, when... Um, matter is so much compressed i think it's forming new elements so we might find new elements out there not just matter and what they are saying you know these things have really powerful electromagnetic fields and because you know we're spinning like i said spinning is the in my opinion is the most important uh how do you say properties in in our universe if a thing doesn't spin it doesn't exist so that thing is spinning yeah and uh, because it's spinning the only way in my opinion could eject a lot of matter was mostly to its poles so it has this very powerful uh, eruption on its surface and because they people think and this is very very interesting and hear me out please because of that eruption yeah all that matter interfere with the magnetic field which is very strong of this so that means it it has something very strong at its core maybe a new element which can be uh, this powerful you know the magnetic field which i said is very important i didn't say <sighs> i didn't come out and and say you know my theory of how the universe works but in my opinion electromagnetic field is the most important thing out there and it, it actually may be that's electromagnetic field and radiation is what is ruling our universe, not gravity. And keep that in mind. And because of that eruption, that eruption interfere with the strong magnetic field of this magnetar. And it actually was strong, it was the magnetic field is strong enough to slow down the magnetar. 
keep that in mind so the explosion from its surface i know it sounds crazy but keep in mind like you spin something yeah you you spin you spin a ball yeah on 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 a, on a water well if you if you attach on the water on that ball let's say something like i don't know a piece of plastic yeah which is like a paddle it's gonna slow down exactly happened here what this proves this proves to me that our universe most important is governed by electromagnetic fields yes yeah? and maybe this is why like i i didn't get to i don't really want to get out and say like because my theory is not done yet you know like i said what is ruining our universe but this proves to me that if a, a object so massive yes and so strong can be slowed down by magnetic fields from something on its surface how keep in mind what a star can do with this magnetic field and some celestial objects around it what can it do well it can rule them it can just spin them around and yes that's my take on this on this because keep in mind our planets spin rotate yeah rotate are not spin, they are spinning but they rotate around the sun but on the same direction like the on the way sun is spinning this is very important and our sun in is, is magnetic field in my opinion rule our solar system and it's not just out there this is everything what is happening out there in the universe and you know this was one of my theory and this shows to me even stronger evidence that i am right you know if this yes from its surface this huge explosion yeah of his pole yeah from this magnetar you know he erupted and the magnetic fields which is the same object created but keep in mind but it might be different what we see on the surface from what is truly inside it in the core was strong enough to slow down the rotation this is more proof to me that gravity is not a real force yes out there and we need to move away from this and actually the universe is ruled by magnetic fields electromagnetic fields yes because we can generate electromagnetic fields with the help of electricity but magnetic fields are very very important out there and i really didn't thought i'm gonna you know all of the sudden but this clicked with me in my head this really clicked with me when they said the magnetic fields will was slowing down the mag magnetar keep in mind and this thing is spinning like it's doing once per seconds you know one couple seconds is doing a rotation like you can see the sun you know like it's your like our earth if you would spin that fast would be like throwing up all over the place but if a magnetic field can slow down this powerful celestial objects in my opinion magnetic fields rule the universe okay if i got this out there and you are still with me and i didn't bore you to death uh let's get into news from our solar system because uh <clears throat> i hope you are uh, i hope you are not too bored 
and especially my theory which is not complete yet you heard some part of it you know what is actually ruling our universe and i think we got the uh, gravity wrong but let's see news from our solar system jupiter officially has the most moons in the solar system discovery of two 12 new satellites confirmed which is really interesting because keep in mind jupiter is the second biggest uh, celestial object in our solar system after the sun so in my opinion if it has a strong magnetic field of course it's gonna have a lot of objects excuse me it's of course it's gonna have a lot of objects which are uh, uh, rotating you know around it so it's gonna get uh, a lot of moons so jupiter was uh, already the uh, king of our solar system and this car gave the massive planet another way to reign supreme it has the most moons of course toward new moon discover orbiting jupiter have been confirmed bumping the count from 80 to 92 and knocking saturn with has 83 moons down to a peg <laughs> uh, the newly discovered moons are small yes ranging from 0.6 to 2 miles 1 kilometer to 3.2 kilometers wide yes and most of them have wide orbits nine of those 12 moons take more than 550 days to orbit the gas giant okay so let's now because the episode is still long enough uh they like in my opinion is normal to be it's such a, a gigantic uh, object in our solar system jupiter truly it has the most moons which it's orbiting you know uh, and uh, like i said earlier this is maybe a more proof that magnetic fields are really important out there electromagnetic fields and radiation light so-called radiation is really important out there in my opinion but hey i'm just a guy with some crazy ideas we'll see if i'm getting right or or not let's move on a mars meteorite that crashed to earth contained huge diversity of organic compounds which is really interesting because let's read the the article and then i'm gonna say what i heard recently a new study into the Tissin meteorite, which crash landed in Morocco in 2011, revealed a wide array of organic compounds hidden in the rare space rock. A Martian meteorite that crashed worth 12 years ago contained a huge diversity of organic compounds, including one that have never been seen on Mars before, and you still have found. Uh, the Tissin meteorite broke apart in the sky above the in Morocco on July 2011, showing in space. Okay, okay. The meteorite, which formed on Mars hundreds of millions of years ago, was likely ejected from our cosmic next door neighbor by a cataclysmic event before being caught in Earth gravitational fields. <laughs> in Earth magnetic fields, most likely. It's one of the only five Martian meteorites witnessed by people as it crashed into our planet. So organic compounds are molecules that contain carbon atoms bond to atoms from one of more other elements, usually hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and sulfur, as well as others. These compounds are highly abundant in all life forms on Earth, which means their presence in space rocks could potentially indicate the existence of life elsewhere in the solar system. Okay, however, okay, well, 
what I want to say about this uh, article in the beginning as well. Uh, just, I think, a couple of days ago or even yesterday, oh, oh, my memory is tricking me because of this, all these things I have on my head recently, but I seen some uh, news about uh, Curiosity Rover finding proof that actually was water on Mars. So this would not come as a surprise to me that um, in the next in this year or maybe next year we're gonna get the definitive answer that yes was life on mars before so like people think and like i said in some of my earliest episode if you uh, were here with me or new with me i said that uh, mars you know could have water and all these elements on its surface but in my opinion the only thing which it didn't have to maintain like earth it didn't have a, a moon because in my opinion it's very important all this uh, uh, our moon in my opinion is very important because our moon is keeping earth core alive in my humble opinion without the moon earth would have just dried out like mars the the earth core would have stopped from spinning around like they say now it might get to stop which is crazy and i need to discuss this at the end for a couple of minutes but without the moon in my humble opinion i think earth would have looked like mars like mars is looking now so it's very important in my theory as well if we like i said if we try to find life somewhere we need to find life on objects which are orbiting each other like it needs to have a moon or uh, it needs to have a natural satellite yes because it's very important for our planet for the core to be alive because the, if the core of our planet is alive is creating these magnetic fields by the way magnetic fields which can protect us from radiation in our radiation even from our sun and uh, all the harmful radiation from space and it's keeping us alive so if mars would have a natural satellite as big as our moon in my opinion mars would have looked like a very different planet today and even may, maybe with life today not just in past you know when it's first you know come to <clears throat> when it first uh, formed let's move on now i need to move a little bit faster because i don't want to bore you to death you know it's we are one hour and ten minutes in the episode and uh you might you might say where is this crazy guy going man well i'm going for the end now let's see impossible new ring system discovered at the edge of the solar system and scientists are baffled where i'm not baffled because i've seen this uh, news and i'll discuss it with you a ring looping around the, the icy dwarf planet quar quar Kuar, what a name is this man, planet Kuar is located much further from its parent body than scientists thought it was possible. Ooh, astronomers have discovered an entirely new ring system with a solar system 
and it's uh, locate and within the solar system so astronomers have discovered an entirely new ring system within the solar system and is located at such a great distance from its dwarf planet parent that it shouldn't be that it should be impossible so they never thought this is possible but i'm gonna get it the ring surrounds quar quar which is around half the size of pluto Ooh, and located beyond Neptune. It's the only it's it is the only third ring to be found around the minor planet and the seventh ring system in the solar system, with the most famous as well studying rings surrounding the giant planet Saturn, Jupiter, Neptune, and Uranus. Uh, the six previously known planets which ring system all have rings which are quite close to the surface of the planet so this really challenging our ring formation theories okay it was previously thought to be impossible to have rings that far out so in a nutshell the ring core is a real challenge to explain it theoretically maybe not okay the ring system is located at the distance of seven planetary radii away from the quar, which is seven times quar radius. Ooh, that's that, that that's quite far away. Okay, which is twice as far out as the theoretically maximum limit for a ring system known as the Roche limit. For comparison, the main part of Saturn ring sits just three planetary radii from the gas giant. So, and this one is a seven. Wow. Previously, it was thought that rings past Roche limit wouldn't be able to survive this far out from their parent body. Rings are formed outside Roche limit, are meant to be stable. They should rapidly accrete into molens using all the ring material. Well, with this discovery, we have a ring not just outside the Roche limit, but way beyond it. This particle can reform, can't reform a moonlet if they are so good, if they are close to the planet and within the Roche limit because tidal forces from the parent body constantly rim them apart and prevent them from clumping according. But that can be the case with quar ring. We've got to find a way of uh, stopping that moonlet forming that far out distance. This particle in the ring are colliding all the time. If these and these collisions are elastic, it means the particle can stick together to form a moonlet. An elastic collision is one on which two colliding ob objects bounce away from each other rather than clumping together like a rubble ball hitting a fluid. Okay, a, ch a chance discovery. The research discovered the ring system while investigating wherever QR has an atmosphere. The team used the high speed. Okay, the ring become visible when it cause uh, roughly 5 to 10 percent deep in the light from a background star both before and after the main body of quark pass in front of the star this event known as uh, occultation lasted less than a minute the discovery come a bit of a surprise okay the ring of quark is too small and too faint to be seen via direct imaging even with an instrument as powerful as the hubble space telescope this discovery shows the amazing diversity of things that are in our own cosmic background so you don't have to look uh, light years away into the distant you to find the unexpected okay this is another thing which which again it's uh, <clears throat> uh, which which again it's um, 
how to say it, is challenging gravity. And hear me out. I don't say it's impossible. I never, I don't think it's impossible. And think we should expect this. And hear me out why. Maybe this planet, maybe this planet has a very strong magnetic field. And maybe that's why this planet has a very strong magnetic field. It's spinning on its axis and it's uh, just doing this ring. It's collecting, yes, this ring. And how to say, uh, at the way where this ring is, that's the highlight of the, you know, the magnetic field. And I think this is really, really interesting discovery. Because once again shows, we set a limit, yeah, we set the Roche limit. This can't exist past this, yeah, past, uh, what was it, four, four times the planet away? What was it? So this is the, it's only around, okay, a planet seven times. So this is seven times square radius. And they thought, oh no, uh, it's too far out because somebody, you know, somebody did his calculation. And let me tell you how he did his calculation. He did his calculation based on gravity. And now this proves to me again that theory of gravity is wrong. And we need to get this, to understand this thing. Like I said, and I think I said this, and I'm a, oh, my theory is just clumping together. You know, I'm going to give you bit by bit instead of giving you everything. If it's a strong magnetic field, it's going to have a far outer reach. Yes, simply. Basic physics. Yeah? If, it's a, um, if it's not that strong, yeah, it's going to get a... Not, it's not going to get, how to say, it's not going to reach that far out. So it's no surprise to me if this planet, if, if they prove, and maybe I'm going to say this, I don't know, it's a crazy idea, if they're going to prove this planet has um, has a really powerful than usual than average magnetic field where it has some kind of uh, how you say some kind of still active core which create these magnetic fields then is another proof that most of our theories about how the universe out there works might be wrong I'm not saying all of them are wrong, but some of them might be wrong because when you put, you know, you, when you calculate your, uh, like, uh, all your theories and some constant, and maybe that constant is not out there, then everything, you know, gets a little bit wrong. And it's very interesting to see this now in, uh, in our solar system, like the... Uh, the publisher said as well, you know, we find wonders in our solar system. We don't even have to go that far away, you know, to look for wonders. We might find the answer even in our solar system. So it's very, very interesting thing to see. Um, okay, let's move on to a news about our sun, which is, is getting me a little bit worried. Keep in mind what I said about... Uh, the earlier article about magnet are getting slowed down by its its own explosion. Well, you're not gonna believe what they really said happened to our sun recently. So listen to this. 
enormous polar vortex on the sun it's unprecedented scientists say a long uh, looping filament of plasma snapped over the sun north pole keep in mind is 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 the pole as well same as the magnetar creating a polar vortex that scientists can't explain so on february 2 a massive tentacle of plasma snapped apart in the sun atmosphere before tumbling down circling the uh, star north pole at uh, thousands of miles a minute and then disappearing leaving scientists baffled the entire spectacle which lasted about eight wait hour eight hours went viral on twitter twitter of course um, what this all means essentially a long filament of plasma the electrical charge gas that all stars are made of shoot out of the sun's surface, creating a huge looping feature called a prominence. These structures are common and can loop into space for hundreds of thousands of miles as, as solar plasma spiral along tangled magnetic field lines. Magnetic field lines! They even say these words. What is strange, however, is the prominence to suddenly break apart and then remain airborne for hours, swirling around the sun poles. Um, okay, uh, so the scientist said he had never seen solar plasma behave this way before. However, he added long filament do regularly erupt near the sun 55 degrees latitude line, where the old, old prominence was spotted. So, well, luckily it was not one on collision path with our planet which i'm really happy about it but it's really interesting to see you know um keep in mind these eruptions like the magnetar as well that eruption came out at magnetic fields and why uh, the uh, they use magnetic fields and especially the poles you know why the poles let me tell you why these eruptions are more common to the poles because uh, the magnetic field is very weak at the poles. That's why the eruptions come there. The magnetic field is strong around the, uh, how we say on Earth, equ equator, yes? But at, at the poles, the magnetic field is weaker. So that's why the eruption happens mostly at, at, uh, at the poles. This is what happened to Magnetar, and this is what is happening to our Sun. And to me, it's just a link. I don't know for you, but in my opinion, this is a link to how to say to fully you know put that proof out there magnetic fields are the most important thing in in our universe which rule our universe you know magnetic fields created our universe is keeping our universe together you know but hey maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm just a crazy dude who just see all these things out there but for me these things seems connected i mean you see it on something far away you see it close it's a connection it's the same thing magnetic fields are keeping together yeah explosions are the same running at the poles but hey like i said maybe i'm just a, a crazy guy who who just how to say see the wrong wrong thing in in everywhere but for me it's just a connection out there and it's other proofs that we need to revise 
our theory about the universe, uh, about understanding the universe and so-called gravity to try to just realize and remove this from equation because it might not be what we are looking, especially on the long run, it might fail us in the most, you know, most needed times. Now, we I only have a couple of news left. I'm not going to bore you more. Uh, but uh, after the last one, also, I'm going to have a little bit of discussion with what is happening lately on around our planet. Powerful laser laser blast used to control lightning for the first time. Interesting. So this is the first ever real-world demonstration of the effect. I'm very interested in this. For, for the first time ever, scientists have used laser to redirect lightning towards a safe target. This The experiment, which took place at uh, Shops uh, Mountain on the northern edge of Swiss Alps, is the first real-world demonstration that intense bursts of light can be used to fish for lightning from storms and redirect it to a safe location. <clears throat> Scientists have previously used laser to bend the path of electricity in the lab, but achieving this outside is challenging. After hauling their laser to Santis, some at an altitude of uh, 8,200 feet, that's 2,500 meters, the researchers fix it to a uh, 400 foot, 124 meters uh, transmission tower, where uh, tower, and there they pointed it at the sky. Then, by firing the infra infrared laser at pacing passing storm clouds in the short blast of roughly 1,000 times per second, they uh, correlated a path for lighting to hit the tower four times in six hours. Wow, interesting. Um, lightning emerged when atmospheric static electricity generated by the friction of ice clumps and rain in storm clouds separate electrons from atoms. The negatively charged electrons then pull at the storm cloud base and attract positive charge from the ground. As an electronically steady economy, they begin to overcome the resistance of the air, air to their flow ionizing the atmosphere below as they approach the ground in multiple forking invisible loader leather path. When the first uh, leather path make contact with the ground, electrons hop onto the earth and from the point of contact discharging from the bottom in a flash of lightning called return stroke. So sure enough, force strikes hit the road during the six hour of the laser operation, easily surpassing the usual frequency of strikes on the road of roughly 100 times per year. Even more direct evident, the experiment success come from one of the strikes that was captured by Kramer in slow motion. Okay, well, this is very interesting. Why is this very interesting? Because, keep in mind, like I said in the past, I think I said it a couple of times, why we waste all this energy out there when we actually harness it, you know? So now, if we find a way to direct uh, lightning to a place where we want, yes, maybe we can harness that energy. That would be really, really cool. Keep that in mind. Uh, this is just my take on it. But what if... And this is what come, came to me now, in mind, yeah, just came to me, yeah, like, like, 
just now what if you know all those airplanes which get hit by um, uh, lightning actually would do this on purpose to recharge their battery how would that be that would be crazy <laughs> but uh, of course what i'm talking now it's 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 sci-fi but you know well, it would be really interesting to to see if we can power this uh, we can harness i mean we can harness this power of lightning because like i said i think in the past episode lightning is has so much energy so uh, so that would be really really interesting you know to see if maybe we can get that knowledge because i said lightning produce so much energy maybe we're not gonna even need the fusion reactor if we can create the lightning like it's creating in our atmosphere you know so much energy if we can harness that energy but hey this is just my thought like i said you know i might just be crazy um okay last two news for today one of them is this hidden tide in earth magnetospheric plasma ocean revealed in new study Ooh, researchers have detected flu fluctuation in earth magnetosphere created by the same tidal forces that the moon exceeds on the oceans <laughs> this coming to i'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna this is straight into my straight into my theory like I said what they are showing now is like actually you know the magnetosphere what I was saying magnetic fields get affected by the moon like I said our planet it's only alive in my opinion because we have this natural satellite the moon out there and now i see this research which is getting me even harder to think like even stronger beliefs that what i'm saying is right so the moon is not just out there you know just to look at it at night it's out there to keep our core alive and it's also inflating the magnetic fields of our planet ah it's just so good to see this uh, this uh, these things you know this thing comes uh this thing come to to like like a real thing you know because you only think of them in your head but then you you look at some of the research and you think oh i, I was thinking of that and look oh wow it's coming to to reality but yes yeah, i'm glad to see this i'm not gonna even read the article because uh, you know it's it's very compelling and if you want i think maybe you have seen it on facebook or instagram or what you have to to follow most of this but um, yes yes this is the um, the thing which make me strongly believe that you know our universe is not governed by gravity it's governed by magnetic fields and electromagnetic as well electromagnetism but we'll see we'll see now the last news for today which i thought it was a little bit because it's really fresh it's like 10 hours ago it's 
So US shoots down UFO over Canada. So the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said the US shot down an identified flying object over the Yukon Canada of his request. Okay, an American F-22 fighter uh, jet had sh uh, shot down a car size and identified flying objects, a UFO over Yukon. Okay, okay. A fighter jet, okay. I ordered it to take down an identified object that violated the Canadian airspace. Could be a balloon, maybe. This is the second time in a few days that a strange objects have been shot down uh, after entering US airspace. Another object was taking entering US airspace around 9 p.m. Alaska, and the US government said the, the, the object was flying between 20 and 40 miles per hour. That's 32 to 64 kilometers per hour. The altitude used by civilian aircraft. Okay, it's crisscross land over Alaska before heading out to sea. It was flying towards north, the North Pole and it shot down over the Arctic Ocean of the coast of Canada. Okay. The US is now in process of recovering the wreckage to the camp. What was the first one? But harsh ice meant that the recovery of the OFF force, which are being assisted by US Northern Command Alaska, are slowing, slow going, of course, because it's so cold. Uh, just a week ago, a Chinese spy balloon was destroyed on February 4th. I've been detected over Idaho in late January. Uh, I, I don't think would have been. I don't think this was really like a UFO. You know, most likely maybe something out there, which uh, I don't know. But uh, what I want to discuss now is like lately I've seen like a lot of crazy things about these UFOs, UFOs, UFOs. And it's not, I don't, I, I don't know, you know, if they are out there or not. Like I said in my episode about, uh, about extraterrestrial life. But I think soon, really soon, which what we discussed today as well about uh, water on Mars. Soon, I think the government, I mean NASA, the agency is just going to confirm that uh, most likely, definitely, it is life out there. It might, like I said, it's life out there, not like we know, you know, maybe not like it's on our planet, not in the same life form, but it's still life is out there. Maybe it was in the past, maybe it is now, I don't know, we'll see. I don't know if it's intelligent life, but still. And even if it is intelligent life, you know, I was thinking like with... Um, <clears throat> recently why would aliens even come to us look at what is happening to our planet you know we have only wars on our planet we have all these uh, all these crimes and everything what do they what they can do are, are they gonna come here to save us or what what they can do because keep in mind if they will come here also i'm guessing a lot of people would panic everything will be crashed and everything you know the stocks market and everything but still uh, is a hard take on it. If it's really intelligent life out there, I'm guessing it's more intelligent than us, and is most likely is gonna like prepare us step by step if we ever gonna meet them, you know, like another society. But uh, in my opinion, the government is just planning to say like for definite there is life or was life out there not intelligent life but other life forms you know like like i said so this could be a really big step in um, in our evolution because we can't keep hiding this stuff you know from the people people need to know because 
um, in my opinion, you know, you just put the news out there, what happens, happens, then you just move on, you can't just keep hiding it, because if you get in this massive conspiracy, you know, it's no good for, uh, it's just no good, not for me, not for you, not for everyone. If it's something out there, they just straight put out there and what happens, happens. Anyway, I think people in these days are more understanding of, like, they have a better mind, you know, of uh, really what could be out there and we can handle, I think, as a society, I think we can handle this kind of information. At least I would. I would just be really happy to see what kind of... Uh, discoveries you know or knowledge they bring to the table that's the most important thing in my opinion if we ever get contacted or we get in touch with the different civilizations what kind of advancement they bring to us you know maybe they're gonna bring us more material so we don't have to mine our planet you know to destroy our planet so we can protect our planet more you know we can protect or the life on our planet you know i think this is would be the things which i most expect from a different uh, civilization but uh, we'll see about that. And um, I hope if you are still with me at the end, after all this episode, I hope I didn't bore you too much. But um, I don't know, maybe some of you, what you think also about my theory, like I said, about universe out there, not gravity, magnetic fields. And I think we have now enough proof to say definitely we need to change our understanding of the universe. And as sooner as we do that, as sooner we're gonna find a better way of transportation, better way of moving around the universe, and better way of just protecting our planet. And maybe a better way of life, you know, of life. Until then, I hope you enjoyed today episode. Um, I'm gonna open soon. I'm gonna open a new page, or I'm gonna try to open on Facebook and Instagram uh forum and the page for my podcast is gonna have the name of my podcast word of daniel podcast and uh if you are listening i just wish all of you to come there it's not gonna happen today today is sunday but in the next couple of days i'm gonna try to set these pages up and you can come there and maybe you can have a chat maybe you can share me some some of your ideas maybe you can say how crazy i am or how crazy i sound sometimes until then I, all of you stay safe out there, wish you the best, and let's hope we'll hear again really, really soon. Thank you for listening.